Next on BYU Sports Nation, we're all about business. Are the BYU quarterbacks? How can the eventual starter show us he's all business? We'll chat with 18-year NFL vet Lee Johnson, why he's lightly nervous about the upcoming fall camp. Some special teams, plus my latest 10-10 and 10 on wide receivers. And Taysom Hill takes some early reps at New Orleans Saints cap as the backup QB. Did he wow the onlookers again? Let's go! This is BYU Sports Nation. Brought to you by the BYU Store. Simulcast on BYU-TV and BYU-Radio. Now, from Studio B, here's Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. BYU Sports Nation is live on a Friday. Your day-to-day play-by-play in Studio B. This is how we do it. Presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Hope you're enjoying this July 27th, wherever and however you're connected. Great to have you with us. I am Spencer Linton, teamed up with rap historian Jerem Jordan. Uh, I do enjoy the history of rap with Justin Timberlake and Jimmy Fallon. I think Shay Serrano, who works for The Ringer, wrote a history of rap book. Really? It's like yeah, and there's like a, a like a kids book A through Z, you know, with rappers that you can get your kid. I, I need to get that one. I have the basketball book for that, which is really fun to read to my daughter. And then eventually my son, he can't read right now. He's two weeks old today. But, um, yeah, so I'm no rap historian, but I know the resources to use here. Were you a crisscross guy when you were growing up? I loved crisscross. It's going to make you jump. <laughs> Backwards overalls, braids, like what were they? Oh, they they were twelve, all, yeah. maybe. And it wasn't just the overalls early nineties backwards. It was like jerseys, like New York Knicks jerseys. Everything was on backwards. Yeah, which makes no sense. But at the time, it was so cool. How can that be comfortable? I just looked at that and I was like, comfort's never been a fashionable thing per se, right? It's like what looks good matters. But did more that than ever comfort. look good? Did that it even did, yes. ever look good? Whenever that crisscross, whenever that song came out. That was the year. 1991? 92. 92, okay. Thank goodness for the internet. I can just look it up. That was great. Siri. <laughs> yeah. Did the backwards outfit ever look good? In they 92, it looked good when they were jumping the sho- around. Couldn't wear the shoes backwards. <laughs> yeah, you can't wear the, uh, You got real issues if your shoes are backwards. True like, story. You need to see a doctor. True story. Immediately. We were listening to my favorite rap song of all time before the show started. Oh, wow. I didn't know it was your favorite one. Yeah, yeah. And what is that? Roll Out by Ludacris. Clean version, of course. Well, that's what you tell the people <laughs> on the air. It's, it's hilarious. It makes me smile and laugh every time I hear you it. You listen to what you want to listen to. Oh, my gonna, goodness. I'm not going to be the oh my goodness. No honor code for your music listening after hours. Crank up the rap music. All rise and shout. Time for What's Trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. CBS Sports NFL released an article with the following headline. Kansas City Chiefs wide receiver Sammy Watkins cut off his signature dreadlocks to prove he's all about business. First time he'd cut his hair in a decade. Wow, like Squally Canada did that coming to BYU. Aside from cutting off their hair, Jerem, what does the eventual starting quarterback at BYU need to do during fall camp to show you and all of us he's all about business. I think Tanner Mangum needs to cut his dreads. I think they need to go. I just don't think it's a great look for him. In addition to that, I think Tanner Mangum needs to be clearly the best guy. To me, it's Tanner of the field. Whoever the guy is, if the odds-on favorites, Joe Critchlow, like whoever the guy is, they need to stand out. Because if all things are equal, I think you go with the senior. 
and the guy with 21 career starts, Tanner Mangum. If I'm the other three, I've really got to do something to stand up. I've got to be a better passer, a better decision maker. And I think this is going to be a big deal. A better vocal leader. Yes, you, you please, guys, please. You guys have talked about this uh, last week. How does that manifest itself? It manifests itself when times aren't easy or fluid, right? It's when there's some uh, conflict. That's when a leader kind of shows up. Therefore, the, that quarterback needs to look the part as well. I, I think that's how the quarterback, whoever it is, I think it'll be Tanner Mangum, stands out and shows their, they mean business. Austin Colley told us yesterday that Max Hall was a great leader because he was vocal and his passion carried over through the entire team. Like to the point of annoyance and he for said the defense. That it probably has to be the quarterback because they're the highest profile player on the field for a team. They're the natural leader because of their position. Show, show me a non-vocal quarterback, and generally speaking, I'll show you a poor quarterback. Like, good quarterbacks are vocal. You're, the, you're physically yelling stuff at the line. Like, not just that. You've got to be there. You've got to be a vocal leader. And if you're shy about it, you chose the wrong position. Think about it at the highest level. Tom Brady, is he vocal? Peyton Manning, was he vocal? Aaron Rodgers, is he vocal? Like, Drew Brees, is he vocal? Like, you have to get in people's faces and challenge the status quo at times. Not to the point of, uh, it's okay to have some contention if the contention is the pursuit of being great as the team. There's this idea that... We don't have to all get along at all times. No, there's you this can idea challenge that, what's going that on. being a vocal leader means it, it kind of has this feeling of putting guys in their place. It doesn't always have to be that. It this just, isn't Bobby Knight throwing a no, chair. I just want somebody that motivates yes. in all ways by being a vocal leader that inspires, that uplifts. Yes. The pursuit of greatness, it should be the goal, right? And if it's not, then what's the point? That's what I want to see from whoever the starting quarterback is as they try and separate themselves from the rest of the field in fall camp. I want a vocal leader to rise up. You call it looking the part, absolutely that factors into it. Colin Coward says he likes his presidents looking presidential, right? He wants his quarterbacks looking quarterback Yeah, and he wants his pilots looking like pilots. A little bit yes. of gray hair, experience, yes. mustache, Soli Solenberger. Mustache? Yeah, exactly. Yes, you want the quarterback <laughs> to look and act the part. Part of that is being a vocal leader. And when times don't go well, it's okay to still be vocal. But you've got to execute and play well. You, there's no great leader that is terrible at his craft. Like, if you're a sucky quarterback, you can't be the leader. you got to show it on the field. Yeah, you need to be consistent and disciplined in producing on the field. But when you, you add can't vocal, have off-the-field issues. When you, you can't, add vocal leadership to grades. consistency yes. and being a good player on the yes. field, man, again, you get something special. That's what we're looking for. Our friends at Cougar Stats on Twitter shared some amazing information recently about the Cougar pass defense the past two seasons, stating BYU has given up a completion rate of 65.7% on defense. Yikes. Ranking 126th out of 130 teams the last two years. Huh? Spencer, do you expect this to be vastly different this season? Yes. And if it's not, BYU's in for another very, very difficult long season. This number surprises me. 126 out of 130 FBS teams. That's 2016 with Troy Warner and Dango Wolaku and Mike Hanneman and your boy Kainakua. That was I thought that was a good secondary. The fifth worst? Team. Yeah. The fifth worst out of all Division I FBS teams. Well then. 
That is brutal. Yes, I expect it to be vastly different this season. One, because it's the deepest position group that is on the BYU football team, the secondary, led by the safeties. I feel like the quarterbacks is the deepest group. You think that's the deepest group? Oh, we have three guys that have started. Okay. We, we like them. So if that's the deepest offensive position group, I think that the secondary has the most depth of any group on the defensive side of the ball. You could say both sides. You don't have to agree with me. That's okay. Fine. Yeah. I, I'm just – I look at Diane Gawolaku and Troy Warner moving back to safety – there's a reason that Zane Anderson got bumped up to linebacker, right? Because they must really like the corners because they moved the th- three three would-be starters at current positions to other positions. Austin Isn't Lee, it? Tanner Jacobson, Gavin Fowler, Austin Kofensis. I've named six safeties right there yeah. that have experience. Kofensis doesn't. Could play, right? Well, Kofensis has game experience, but not as a safety. But he's on the Paul, Paul Hornig watch list, Spencer. I expect it to be different. I don't. I don't know what is vastly ten percent better, five percent better. Uh, can they be in the top? I don't know, seventy. Not can BYU not be in five? the bottom half of college football? Yeah, upper half. Is that fair to ask for? Great. Yeah, if BYU is around sixty-five or seventy, that to me would be vastly different than being a hundred and twenty-six yes. out of one hundred thirty. Yes. What percentage that actually means? I don't know. Every year is different, but I expect with the deepest position group on the team. In my opinion, as the safeties in the secondary, I think that will be vastly different. Cornerback is the one that defense passes the most. You talked about safeties. Corners is where the conversation should, should start and end, in my opinion. But reasons for staying the same or worse. You have the same defensive coordinator. Okay, So hopefully Elisa Tuiaki looks at this number and goes, we, we ain't doing that, right? I'm, I'm sure he's aware. Um, good corners, Diane Gonwoloku and Troy Warner were moved back to safety. So I would say that's an argument that it could stay the same or worse. Reasons for change, though. New safeties coach, Preston Hadley, he could influence that. Hopefully the defensive line's better, gets more pressure. The offense will be better. Hopefully this means BYU has leads. Hopefully this means uh, uh, opposing de- offenses are more predictably that's passing. The thing. You need the right? opposing offense to be more predictable. BYU was constantly on their heels last yeah. year. Also, I don't think BYU is playing a lot of potent passing offenses this year. I would say that Washington is. I would say Cal kind of. Wisconsin's efficient. They're not like down the field deep a lot. And then Boise State, I say, would say, is a quality passing offense. But I don't think there's a ton of, oh, man, we're going to have to defend the pass crazy kind of games. So I, th- I think it will be vastly different. I don't know what that means, but I think it will be. Wisconsin last year, as a barometer, allowed 49.5% passing percentage and from they were opponents like top five in that okay. 49 BYU up at 65 so can BYU be somewhere around 58 57 that'd be nice that would be great that's still too high though 60 percent what uh, something better than 65 Let's get yeah get under 60 goodness get under 60. Vince Carter the dude that has dunked for now over two decades in the NBA just signed to play another year with the Atlanta Hawks Just to put this in perspective, Vince Carter signed out of college from North Carolina into the NBA before Trey Young, the Hawks' first-round draft pick this year, was born. Uh, Maybe before today's line producer, Dane Carlson, was born. (laughs) I'm not sure. Yeah. 21 years in the NBA, and now he's going to go to the ATL and take his talents down south. Like Team Fredette. That got us thinking. Who's had the longest tenured successful professional career of any former BYU athlete? I think there are a lot of options here. I think the answer for me, though, is Danny Ainge. 
uh, not a Hall of Fame player in the NBA, but he was a four-time All-Wack guard, college basketball player of the year at BYU 1981. The greatest BYU basketball player, in my opinion. He could have played Major League Baseball for a long time, too. Danny, then Jimmer. Yeah. Drafted by the Blue Jays. Had a cup of postum there. 14 NBA seasons, two-time champ, 88 All-Star, nearly 12,000 points in the association. Then... He continues his tenured professional career as the general manager of the Boston Celtics, 2008 champs, executive of the year, okay? And he's tenured and respected now, and they have perhaps the best team in the East, we'll see, this season. Boston institution now, like when I think of Boston, I think of Danny Ainge. He's one of like the top 10, 20 guys, you know, for that sports fan base as well. So Danny Ainge, to me, has had the longest, best, uh, you know, professional tenured career of any former BYU Cougar. And there are lots of options. I'm going to go with the guy that's going to be inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame this year, Jack Morris. A man with a mustache. 18 years as a major league pitcher, 254 career wins. He has an ERA under four at 3.9. Cy Young Award winner, World Series champion. Oh, game seven, dude. Epic, yeah. Threw a no-hitter in 1984 for... The Detroit Tigers. That was a good year for BYU and its people. I mean, listen to this. 83, 20 wins as a starter. 84, 19, 86, 21, 87, 18, 91, 18, 92, 21 wins for the Toronto Blue Jays. What a career for Jack Morris. Well-deserved honor being put in the Baseball Hall of Fame. Almost two decades. He, He did it at such a high level for such a long time. I like Jack Morris. Danny Ainge, a great answer. Steve Young, also an incredible resume as a tenured professional yeah. athlete. He's in the NFL Hall of Fame, for crying out loud. Yes, the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And yeah, yeah, the Pro yeah, Football Hall of Fame. It accounts for other leagues, too, right? Um, I'm really glad, too, that the Hall of Fame didn't just have the writers vote because Jack has not made it in with the writers. It was like this player vote, this kind of side thing that was great because then they can acknowledge their own, and it's not the – the crusty old writers yeah. that may not acknowledge greatness in the same way that, say, his peers would. I'm not saying all writers are crusty. I don't want, like, Jeff Call tweeting at me today being, hey, what was that comment about the writers? Love the writers. They're great. But baseball writers are different. The writers. <laughs> okay, it's uh, it's game day for Team Fredette in the basketball tournament, a.k.a. TBT, featuring Jimmer Fredette, Brandon Davies, Charles Boo, and others as the guys try and win the $2 million prize. The next step is the Super 16 tonight at 7 Eastern against Fort Wayne Champs. Watch it live from Atlanta on ESPN2, by the way. I will. Like 2011, these guys are in the round of 16. But what would define success for Team Fredette in this tournament? I think one more win. I think one more win would make Team Fredette a success in the 2018 TBT. And it would redeem the 2011 team. Stop it. They got past Florida. There, there wouldn't be In redemption. Double overtime. I, just, I don't know. I feel like, hey, getting to the quarterfinals, that would be really <laughs> good. They're, I think, the two seed overall. They are. They're supposed to win this game. Yeah. So I think they need to get to the quarterfinals for them to feel like, yeah, it was a successful run. It was fun. Team Fredette is loaded. They added Jack Cooley. Team Fredette has three players that have played games in the association. Not the G League, the actual association. Fort Wayne has a bunch of G League guys, okay? Uh, I think Team Fredette needs – I'm with you. One more game. One more game. And then you go, hey, that was fun. I do think Team Fredette has a legit shot to win this thing. And it'd be fun to see them continue to play because we don't have fall camp yet. So we need content. 
Yeah, you and win. this would this would be fun. If you win to watch. three games, it's great. If you win three games in a high level tournament like this, where the basketball quality is really good, yeah, I think that's a success. Then there are some that say, "Hey, two wins, that was really fun. It was great. It was." But if you're the they were two supposed se- to win two, games. if you're the two yeah. seed, you probably need to get to the quarterfinals. I need more thirty eight footers from Jimmer. I need more twenty five foot no dribble transition sequences yeah. from Brandon Davies. Like, Selfish it's just fun to watch. I want more. Yes. I want to we, watch more of Team for Debt. So it's we're like, never going to get to watch Jimmer, Brandon, and Charles play again outside of you know either Gold's Gym or the Annex. So we need Team for Debt to keep doing what they're doing. And this is fun to watch. I'm telling you, it's not 2011, but there's a tiny bit of me that really feels the fun from that season back again. Maybe we get Ty, Ty Haas in on this team next year. Get Tyler Hawes on that team. He was a freshman on the 9 team. Yeah. He wasn't on the 10-11 team. He was in the Philippines uh, knocking doors. But, yeah, that'd be fun to see. Yeah, and what's uh, in his future? We're going to talk to Tyler Hawes uh, coming up in the next Just few say weeks. a random day and make him show No, no, he's, even he, if he's not, he is committed. Be like, we hey, he's coming day. on Monday. He's coming on soon like, I am. to figure out uh, yeah, <laughs> what uh, lies in his professional basketball future. Coming up next Wednesday, Tyler Hawes will join us. <laughs> Pressure's on, dog. Now Watch the basketball tournament tonight. Seven Eastern, five mounts, and Team Fredette against the Fort Wayne Champs. Who a won bunch the- of them played for the Ants. So there you go. The it's Mad the Ants? G- oh, there you the go. The Mad Ants. There you go. Yes. They won no TBT, I think, in 2015. So they've, they've won it before. Good for them. This uh, That's why they team, call themselves the, champs. the Fort Wayne Champs. Good for you. <laughs> also to come on the show, a guy who we call Thunderfoot, Lee Johnson, We'll be joining BYU Sports Nation to talk about just how special the special teams need to be for BYU and why he's a little bit nervous about this uh, BYU football team in 2018. Well, I don't blame him because game number one is right around the corner. Countdown to the Wildcats. 36 days. 36. We're close to under a month, man. Yeah, we had kind of this visceral moment yesterday in the office where you looked at me and you're like 37 days dude i was like yeah like there's we're close to a football game now it's down to 36 the producer in me is freaking out make sure we have all the elements ready (laughs) for the coaches show and the pre and post game show five five "Ah!" weeks five weeks from tomorrow jerem Five Saturdays from tomorrow, BYU will be opening the college football season. I always, I always like formally announce to my wife, "Hey, I'll see you in December." Which there are some, there are some real <laughs> elements to that. Good luck with our son. I'll do my best. <laughs> Bringing home the bacon, man. Exactly. Yeah. Our question of the day: What do you need to see from the eventual starting BYU quarterback who will run out against Arizona in thirty-six days to know he's the guy? Let's go to Voice of the Nation. This is the Voice of the Nation on BYU Sports Nation. At Zach underscore Vandy in on Twitter. The occasional big yardage plays. Not just because they're fun to watch, but because they come from one of two things. Having good chemistry and timing with the receivers, allowing you to hit them in stride. And two, going through your progressions to find your guy. Big plays. BYU had a lack of them, especially in the pass game last year. Micah Simon's yeah, catch was... against Wisconsin was the longest pass play from scrimmage for BYU last year. Yeah, and uh, yeah, BYU was 115th in plays of 15-plus, and it was one. 
There were some teams that didn't have any, so it could be worse. Coming up. Full of happy stats. The latest 10 and 10. Who are the top 10 wide receivers BYU will face this season? And Thunderfoot, Lee Johnson, broke a scoreboard against Wyoming by booming a kick away. Is he going to break a camera in Studio B today? You have to watch next to find out. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. After further review is back on BYU TV Tuesdays at 7 Eastern starting August 7th as David Bryan and the guys break down Cougar football like nobody else. Don't miss it. August 7th, the season premiere. Welcome back, BYU Sports Nation simulcast on BYU TV and BYU Radio. The conversation always open on social media. Follow at BYU Sports Nation Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Use the hashtag BYUSN whenever and wherever you would like to converse with us. Specifically answer today's question of the day. What do you need to see from the eventual starting BYU quarterback to know he's the guy? At CL underscore living tweets in, ball control, no turnovers. Let's be honest, no turnovers is not going to happen. Some turnovers will happen. Well, in fall limited camp, turnovers. you can limit the turnovers. Limited turnovers. You're not going to fumble because you'll never be tackled that way, and you don't have to throw that many interceptions. He continues, take what the defense gives you and consistently move the offense down the field. Hashtag BYUSN. Amen to all that. More of your responses later in the show. Joining us now in Studio B, one of our all-time favorite oh, guests. Best. The always energetic Lee Johnson, <laughs> a.k.a. Thunderfoot, back in Studio Love B. Lee. I'm here. No better no better place to be, guys. How y'all doing? I, I soak up all the energy that you bring into the room, so I appreciate it. I'm going to bring it. I'm charged up today. I'm it's, ready to go. Yeah, and, and we're ready to go. Like, fall <laughs> camp is next week. This is an exciting time for the guys. And I do, do you feel the juices as a former player again? Yes, you do. Every time this time of year, you, you smell the grass, and that gets me going. But it's fun. I, my office is right above where they practice, so every day I get to watch these guys. And they're going hard. They're going strong. They're going right now, actually. I was watching them play. So it, uh, it's fun. It's exciting. I'm a little nervous, but it's exciting. What makes you nervous? Well, you you remember last season? <laughs> no, what happened? Yeah, it wasn't our best. So I'm. Uh, it it hurts me to see us not be great. I want to be great. That's all I want. So when we're not great, it, it hurts deeply. So um, I'm just nervous. I want to be great. So we'll see. Well, you've known greatness not only at BYU but through the NFL. We talked about longest successful professional careers and tenure. I mean, you played almost two decades in the NFL after a remarkable run at BYU. So, I mean, that has to factor into why it hurts so much with a season like last year. It does. And it, I was lucky. I was you know, part of the 80s and, and coming in uh, the late 70s and early 80s, it was amazing to come in and see an established offense, a system that no one knew about, right? We were pioneers in what we were doing back in the 80s. That's a BYU Mormon thing, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, Exactly. And we, and, we, and we had guys, established quarterbacks, established leaders, guys who you came in and you knew exactly what was going on, who the leaders were exactly, what they've done, and they were established system and players. So I think what makes me nervous is we don't have really an established leader in a quarterback quite yet. We're looking for that. And we don't. We got a new offense. So, you know, that, that's why I'm concerned slash scared, but pumped up and ready to go. Yeah. The unknown can be a little scary right there. It is. Once BYU gets out to sea and we see this offense and it's going, it's like, okay, okay, here we go. This reminds me a little bit different, but 06, you had these great players graduate, and then 07 was like, who are these guys? What are they going to do? And then you had players emerge, and then it, it happens over time, right? We were talking about special teams a little bit the other day and the important role they play in the success of a team. 
with a new punter and a new kicker for BYU this year, what and potentially Danny Jones at punter, Skylar South and the kicker, what role can they play in the success of the Cougars this year, in your opinion? Well, it's the uh, the hidden yardage. The um, we got to make our kicks. We have to make our field goals, our PATs, no question about it. We need to win the field goal position battle, and that comes on kickoff coverage. I'm a big believer of never letting a return man ever touch the ball because those guys can make plays, usually the best athletes on the team. So in the NFL, if I could kick it out of the end zone, they would say, get the ball in the end zone. Whereas, you know, I think some of our coaches in, want to have the opportunity to catch the ball. Like Ed Lamb loves to – I don't know if he likes – Pin him back, right? Yeah, he wants yeah. to pin him back, and I like that. So, and we make big, big plays doing that. we got some animals on that kickoff coverage team. So we got to be strong there. we got to make sure we don't have any issues there. But not having – you know, Johnny was, in my opinion, outstanding at, at inside the 50. He didn't have a huge leg. He wasn't going to bomb it like uh, some other guys we've had in the past. I'm not going to say my name. <laughs> I didn't bomb it. No, anyway. You did bomb it. Yeah, I had a couple balls. But anyway, but this guy here we're watching, is, was, he was the best at, that I've ever seen, really, inside the 50 and pinning guys. And Ed's strategy, he doesn't necessarily like a guy, maybe like I as a player. He wants a guy who can put it on the numbers or outside the numbers, not outkick his coverage. And he loves the rugby style because it allows the guys to get down the field. Yeah, and it's a new for, era. In that and it era, is. Right? And for that reason, we're not going to have a lot of returns. So he does a great job in eliminating that side of the game. Big returns. Super job. We've discussed this, too. BYU hasn't had a kicker pushing high 40s consistently with field goals. The hope is that Skyler Southam can be that guy. Because if you get to the low 30-yard yard, yard line and you, and you don't get a third-down conversion, right? You got to be able to make a forty-eight yarder somewhat consistently, let alone fifty plus. You got to be eighty-five percent inside the forty. Mm. You get outside the forty, things change a little bit. Everything's got to be perfect. What's a good percentage outside of forty yards? Well, in the NFL, it's going to still be eighty-five percent, right? Maybe outside fifty, it's going to drop in the seventies, and then of course outside sixty doesn't happen. But in college, you, you need to be eighty percent field goal kicker no matter what. Mm. In college, it's just the way it is nowadays. It's yeah. it's just how it's done. And um, we haven't had great success there in the past. Skyler, out of high school, was phenomenal, highly recruited, um, did a great job. I've been kicking, watching him kick, because I can't kick with him anymore, because I'm now an employee here. <laughs> I'm not a coach. Yeah, I cannot yeah. do what I used to You're do. You're like in the athletic department, so, but, but I, not on the Yeah, couch. I'm itching. Yeah. I watch him kick. I'm like, ah, oh, i got to get down there. Yeah. But he hits a nice ball. Um, you know what? He hits a great ball. We'll see what happens under pressure. That is the differentiator, right? It's okay. Yeah, you hit a great ball in practice, but what do you do? Your your Instagram post is one thing. Yeah. Right. Yes. <laughs> the game is another. Right. Exactly. So, but he's got the tools, no question. Good. What's the mentality of a kicker when you go in in a high pressure situation? You got to be very weird. You got to be odd. You got to be why like you, you two so guys good, are. Lee? Very strange <laughs> individuals. Eccentric for sure. <laughs> No, most kickers are that way. I think, you know, everyone makes fun of a kicker. I always was made fun of it. It was, you know, I don't want to say the word, but it was uh, something this kicker. This is BYU TV. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. No, I was not Lee Johnson. I was the blank kicker. Yeah. So, but it's fun. It's, it's fun Blankety being blank. that guy. We don't, we're part of the team, but we also do our own thing. Yeah. And I'm totally fine with that. Leave me alone. Don't talk to me. Don't try to coach me. Don't do anything, but let me. You guys don't want to talk to me anyways. But I don't want to talk yeah, to you, too. right. Not on game day. <laughs> Danny Jones uh, is the scholarship punter on the team this year. He's from Australia. We've seen this influx last decade of Australians come into the game, obviously the rugby-style punting and whatnot. How, how do you think that's influenced football? Because it's very different from when you play. Very different. And I think Utah is uh, 
not to use a word again, pioneer. They brought in guys like the guy they have this year. Mitch I'm assuming Wisniewski. the guy. The yeah. guy, yeah, and the guy prior to him was. Uh, it was it was Tom Hackett before that. But was he Aussie? He was good. No. Uh, oh yes, yes. Hackett yes. was right. Yes, he was. Yes, back to back. Yeah. So uh, they're, yeah, they're yeah. using a guy out of Australia who who gets these guys going. He's got some kind of a thing going. And Austin, Utah is done a great job. You could argue so, that they're the best punting team in the country in the last like six years. No doubt about yeah. it. And the guy they have this year is phenomenal. Yeah. Not only with rugby style and traditional style, he can bang the ball. Now, this guy here, I've not seen him kick. I, I, do, I have no idea how this guy, the, our new punter, punts. I don't know. I don't know. But I know this, that Ed wants a rugby style, mm-hmm. and he wants the ball 38 to 42 yards. So I think Johnny did a great job doing it. My, my guess is this guy will do as well. In that regard, that's the hope. As right? far as being able to do that, yeah. If you're looking for a 60-yard ball when you're backed up, I don't know, no idea. I've Lee Johnson is with us, outstanding NFL punter and a great at BYU. We're talking about a guy that did it consistently for you combine college and NFL careers. We're talking almost 25 years, Lee. Weird. Longer than our students are old. Longer than you are old, show. right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that too. Longer, definitely longer that's than amazing. my mother. Correct, correct me if I'm wrong, but we we learned that you averaged. Over 50 yards a punt your junior season, but you couldn't qualify for the national rankings? What, what's going on there? Sam, we're too good. We were too good. We didn't punt enough. We did not punt the ball. We had 500 yards offense on a regular basis. We were too good. It's Steve Young's fault that you didn't register. I blame the youngster. How many punts, <laughs> how many punts do you have to kick to register nationally? 40? You need to punt. Well, it depends on the game. So I don't know what it is now. Back in my day, you needed 30-ish, 30 to 34 punts. To qualify, we did twenty four or twenty six that year. <laughs> That's unbelievable. Like BYU had that in like the first three games last year. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Okay, why did you go barefoot, and then sometimes you weren't? Like I saw you wearing a shoe. Yeah, I think the high school. Foot. And well, I'm Thunder. Thunder doesn't like anything on his foot. Okay. <laughs> you go third person there. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> why did you? No, wear I, shoes I had a shoe in high school, and right before I came to camp in 1980. I was with my dad at my old high school, and I said, Pops, I'm going to take my shoe off. Check this out. And I completely crushed the ball. I could not believe what I was doing. I was la- it was midsummer, right? It's 95 degrees in Houston. Yeah. And I was launching it. I'm saying, Dad, I'm going to go into camp and go without a shoe on punts, field goals, and, and kickoffs. I would have a shoe so on. You put your shoe back yeah. on in the game. Okay. Yeah. 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 So, anyway, that's how that came about, and it stuck. But in the NFL, I couldn't do it because we went. It was one morning when I was with the Browns, and it was wet. And I could, yeah, you played in the wrong division yeah, for a barefoot Yeah, I did. Player. I yeah. did. And, and it was wet, and I could not slip. My foot was slipping. I'm like, man, what is wrong with me? This is terrible. So I was, gonna, I was getting cut by the Browns at the time, and I was transitioning to Cincinnati. And I put my shoe on, and it saved my career. Putting a shoe where, on saved my career. Where are your shoes? Good. <laughs> it's a good lesson. Like, like this mind-blowing moment. Mm-hmm. Oh, I uh, no shoes, no service. Okay. Wear your shoes. No shoes, no service. Yeah, right. <laughs> what about the shirt? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, was, that was an issue for you at BYU, too, right? As we read in CB Young's book. That's right. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah. Let's be careful with that one. <laughs> yeah, we won't share all the stories. Lee Blank It was a bad Johnson. moment in time. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you and Chad Lewis work closely. We do. Who has more energy and motivation on a daily basis? Ooh, tough question. Chad. Chad is wired. Mm. I love that dude. That's coming from you. Yeah, wow. no, I know. Wow. No, we're both wired, but Chad is definitely, uh, yeah, you're right. The guy is. He's always turned up. 
And I love and like it. positive. Very positive. So positive. Always positive. Always very positive. What are you guys doing for BYU Athletics if people don't already know? We raise money. We're on the development team. Chad Lewis heads up our development team for all sports. Myself, Robbie Bosco, Mike Middleton, Greg Vihar are uh, That's his, his, crew his right go-to there. guys. And, of course, Brad Carpenter from the LDS Philanthropy side. We all, uh, we're just a great team, and we got big goals, big numbers, and uh, we're, uh, we're trying to hit it this year. Let's finish with this. tougher than last year, but we're hitting it. Yeah. If you could give any single bit of advice to the BYU football team and coaching staff collectively right now, what would that message be? Well, I'll tell you what. I was, you're, I'm a big believer in, in football players who make plays. Look, I, if you're 6'2 and you can run like a deer and you can do that, great. But I'm a big believer in if you make plays, you make plays. You'll continue to make. We know our playmakers. And – it's going to be a tough year in the sense that I, we, we don't know who that well, – someone's got to step up. So what I, as a coach, um, I'm looking for a leader. And to think you're still looking for a leader in August is, is, you know, it's a hard thing to do. That's why you're a little bit worried. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think you have to be a little bit worried. We're looking for someone to step up. We're looking for someone to make plays. And what I would tell the guys is be a pro. And we always heard that when I was in the NFL. you got to be a pro. What does it mean to be a pro? You come early. You stay late. You get your job done. You don't have any issues on the field, off the field, rather. On the field, you know what you're doing exactly. When you're a pro, those are the things you do. So if I'm going to provide counsel, I say be a pro. They're going to say, what does it mean to be a pro? I list out what it means to be a pro, and then I find the guys that want to be a pro. And the guys that don't want to be a pro, you ship them out you got to get rid of them, and you got to stick with the guys who want to be a pro. Now, that's pro ball, right? You can ship them out a lot easier than you can in college. But you got to find your playmakers, and you got to make them ball out and step up and be players and leaders. So we've we got to find that right now. Love it. I'm going to take two things away from this interview, Lee. One, be a pro, and two, Thunder doesn't like anything on his foot. Thunder likes and nothing Lee on his foot. blank Johnson. Yeah, yeah. be careful of that now. That blank. Hey, always great to you. talk to you. Let's do this soon. Let's do, do it. it again soon. Love it. Thanks, gang. Appreciate it. How fun is Lee Thunderfoot Johnson? He's fun. Thanks, Lee. Coming up, speaking of special teams, Taysom Hill's doing work as a Saint despite competing for backup quarterback. The top 10 pass catchers BYU football will defend against this season. Don't let the guy at number one fool you with his profile pick. He ain't no choir boy. This is BYU Sports Nation. Let's keep it rolling on a Friday. BYU Sports Nation, Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan hanging out in Radio Vision live on BYU Radio, simulcast on BYU TV, on demand, anytime, anywhere. And here are your Friday BYU Sports Nation headlines. Led off by Taysom Hill and the New Orleans Saints, who opened fall camp yesterday. Hill in competition for that backup quarterback position alongside Tom Savage and JT Barrett, who was taken out of Ohio State. Saints head coach Sean Payton says that Taysom Hill will once again play as a gunner on special teams this season. In fact, we just read on Twitter that he laid somebody out during a kickoff in today's session. Someone said, uh, not shocked, and I said, well, the guy that he laid out probably was. (laughs) It's the quarterback, right? Team Fredette plays the Fort Wayne champs tonight in the Super 16 of the basketball tournament. Jimmer Fredette is leading the team, averaging 31 a game. Brandon Davies averaging 21 and 5. Team Fredette plays tonight, 7 Eastern on ESPN2. 
Zach Blair, Daniel Summerhays, and Tony Finau are all participating in the Canadian Open, as well as Canadian Mike Weir. Speaking of former BYU guys, listen to this. Zach Blair currently 10 under for the tournament, 5 under today. He's tied for fourth. Tony Finau tees off at 145 Eastern, currently tied for 91st. He's one under par. And Mike Weir, three over, will tee off at 2.15 p.m., while Daniel Daniel Summerhays projected to miss the cut. Currently six over for the tournament through 17 holes today. Zachary Blair. Wow. Wow. Two strokes off the lead. And Brennan Lund, two for four in the Mobile Bay Bears 10-1 win over the Mississippi Braves in double-A ball. Lund singled in two runs in the top of the second, doubled in a run in the top of the eighth. Lund's performance ended a seven-game RBI-less streak. Very well done, Brennan Lund. As always, we'll keep you up to date on all of the Cougars in the minors and if you're Taylor Cole in the majors, right? That's right. We have a major league. Jacob Hanneman apparently made another fantastic catch in AAA baseball for the Iowa Cubs, but what else what, is it's new? It's what he does. What it's else what is he do? new? I'll tell you what's new. Jerem's latest edition of 10 and 10 as we prepare for BYU football. 10 lists in 10 weeks. It's Jerem 10 and 10. Today it's the top 10 wide receivers BYU will play in 2018. Number 10, Danny Davis, Wisconsin. Davis caught a Wisconsin Bowl record three touchdowns versus Miami in the Orange Bowl. He also caught two passes for 67 versus BYU. Davis had five touchdowns on 26 catches, 418, 16.1 as a freshman. That's sixth most among all freshmen nationally. Is there a position that Wisconsin doesn't have a top 10 guy in this season? Uh, I think it's the backup right guard. Good. Number great. nine, Tony Ellison, Arizona. Leading receiver by yards for the Wildcats with 598. He's one of five receivers on the schedule with at least 570 yards. 16.2 a catch, five touchdowns, long of 60. 5'11", 188, senior. I'm excited to watch BYU face off against that Arizona offense because they are loaded with weapons, specifically Khalil Tate, who's throwing to Tony Ellison. Yeah, Tate not the strongest passer per se, but he did throw for 300-plus in the bowl game against Purdue. Number eight, Ron Quavion Tarver, Utah State. Tarver is a real person. He's not on the Key and Peel East-West All-Star team, but he's good enough to be on it. Called in 48 balls, 569 yards, 7 touchdowns. Second most among Cougar opponents last season. He's led the Aggies in receiving the past two seasons. Six catches for 76 yards and a touchdown versus the Cougars last year. Yeah, watch out for Utah State in general. I think they feel disrespected. Uh, they have for 100 years against BYU. And it got the better of BYU <laughs> and Logan last year. We'll see what when they BYU bring to BYU doesn't Provo. turn it over five or six times against Utah State, it generally means good things. Yeah. Number seven, Britton Covey, Utah. No, he's not at BYU. We all wish he was, though. The freshman All-American punt returner and receiver is back from his LDS mission trip in Chile, where he only worked out for two years, apparently. Just kidding. In 2015, Covey made a splash with a team-high 43 catches, 519 yards, tops among Pac-12 freshmen, by the way, and four TDs, plus a 77-yard punt return TD. He's a slippery receiver in coverage in the slot and a threat on punt returns to shake and bake. I, I worry about this guy a lot. He's good. I, I think that may I mean I think that's a conservative ranking. I think he could be better than number seven. Number six, Chico McClatcher, Washington. McClatcher's so fast he broke his own ankle against Colorado on September twenty third after three games. The year before, when Washington made the college football playoff, he finished with five hundred and seventy four yards and five touchdowns. Last year he was out after three games. I expect McClatcher to be a playmaker on a talented Washington team. We both said that we feel like BYU will have a better completion percentage against in terms of a defense, yep. but now that we go through these receivers, I'm, I'm a little more worried about this. I don't think it, there's a lot of, like, 1,000-yard, 10-touchdown guys, but there's a lot of slippery guys that could make a big play, for yeah. sure. Number five, 
Kanavai Noah, Cal, 56 catches, 788 yards, 14 to catch, 4 TDs. Third most among BYU opponents coming back. Top 10 in the Pac-12 in receiving yards and catches per game. Three games of 100-plus against USC, Oregon, and Colorado. Noah went from 10 catches in two seasons to 56 last year. Will he make another jump in 2018? And uh, well, go figure. There's a Pac-12 team with another explosive receiver. Yeah, they, that's what they do. Luckily, BYU's not playing any Big 12 teams because they have the good receivers too. Number four, Andy Isabella, UMass. He's the only thousand-yard receiver on the schedule coming back. Ten TDs, also the most. Four 100-yard games, 65 catches. Isabella put up 122 a game in the last four. One of ten players in FBS which had lit with at least three touchdowns of 65 yards or more. Against BYU, seven catches, 84 yards, a touchdown. Rushed once for seven yards, seven, uh, 21-yard kick return. Punt return for seven yards, and a partridge in a pear tree. He did everything. Yeah, basically, don't let the fact that he plays at UMass fool you. Seeing this dude in person, He's a good player. he can ball. Good player. Number three, Quintez Cephas, Wisconsin. The top Badger receivers back after 30 catches, 501 yards, 16.7 a catch. Highest number of any BYU player on the schedule, by the way, or player on BYU's schedule. Team high, six touchdowns. And that was in nine games, breaking his leg uh, against Indiana in the Ninth game, five catches, 54 yards, two touchdowns against BYU. Well, team him up with Danny Davis and uh, Wisconsin's in business. I anticipate they'll be very efficient again this year. Uh, Alex Hornibrook was 18 of 19. The run will set that up hurt the those pass. numbers, by the way. The run will set up the pass all year long for yep. Wisconsin. Number two, John Ursua. Who? Hawaii. Ah. The Utah native led the Rainbow Warriors with 47 grabs for 677 yards, 14 to catch, five touchdowns. Through six weeks, Ursua led the country with 130 receiving yards a game, but tore his ACL and still led Hawaii in receiving yards and touchdowns, including your boy, Dylan Colley. Yeah, I was listening to those numbers, and I'm like, okay, that's pretty good. Through six weeks. Yeah, and it really affected Hawaii that season. Like, I think Hawaii might have gone to a bowl game had Ursua stayed healthy. Along with Dylan Colley? Wow, they had some wideouts. They, yeah, Hawaii has some wideouts, typically. And the number one receiver BYU will face in 2018 is Vic Wharton, Cal. The one-time Tennessee Volunteers leading uh, the leading returning receiver in Berkeley. 67 catches, 871 yards, five touchdowns. Fifth in the Pac-12 in yards and catches per game. 871, second most among all BYU opponents. 67 is the most catches among returning receivers and top 10 in Cal history. And those are the top 10 receivers BYU will face in 2018. Don't let that... Boy next door, smile, fool you. That dude is an absolute assassin. On film, on film, he's very, very impressive. There's some good receivers BYU's playing. I don't know that there's like there's no first round pick, second round pick kind of receiver guys, but these guys are good. And like we talked about, the BYU secondary is going to have its hands full. Yeah, Vic Wharton. The, the word I use, like having watched him play for Cal last year and a little bit I've seen, just precision. He's just a precision guy, and they're they're hard to defend against. Really, really talented. Indeed. Our question of the day. What do you need to see from the eventual BYU starting quarterback throwing to a bevy of receivers, including Dylan Colley, to know he's the guy? Let's go back to Voice of the Nation. This is the Voice of the Nation on BYU Sports Nation. At Twiggy or Stone in on Twitter. Good decision-making. That includes understanding limits. I see too many quarterbacks trying to make a play when there isn't one. Avoid the big mistakes and live to play another down. Minor news coming in for Brett McMurphy. New Mexico State coach Doug Martin, four-year contract through 2021. That's a BYU opponent this year. 
New Mexico State. Fellow well, independent, too. When you go to a bowl game for the first time in forever. They're like, yeah, yeah, stay here. Typically, that's going to happen. Stay here. Coming up, the latest on Team Fredette in the Super 16 of Atlanta. And more of your answers in response to how will we know the eventual starting BYU quarterback is all business. What do you need to see? This is BYU Sports Nation. Is it business or business? Business. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Watch our BYU Sports Nation Fall Camp Preview Show next Thursday as we get you ready for the 2018 season and the beginning of Fall Camp. It's coming up in six days right here on BYU Sports Nation. Live from Studio B on a Friday, this is your day-to-day BYU Sports play-by-play. Spencer Linton alongside Jerem Jordan. Our daily BYUS and rebroadcast airs weeknights, including tonight on BYU TV at 6 p.m. Eastern. Our question of the day, what do you need to see from the eventual starting BYU quarterback to know he's the guy. More from Voice of the Nation. This is the Voice of the Nation on BYU Sports Nation. At Dan underscore Smith for BYU on Twitter. Confidence against tough competition. Speaking of the East-West Shrine all Yeah, it's a game. Gr- great uh, Twitter handle. Confidence against tough competition, no matter who it is. They won the starting job, which will give them the extra boost of confidence. Yes, whoever the guy is, uh, that will be a boost of confidence. You know what is in a boost of confidence, though? The month of September. It's just really hard. Uh, you're playing four power fives, three on the road. So whoever it is, it's almost unfair to them because let's say that guy goes two and three. I go, hey, nice job. You know, two wins. We got one of the power, one of the gauntlet, and then McNeese State probably. And then uh, if you mixed it up after that, the schedule was significantly easier in October. November, you do have at Boise State at Utah. That's tough. So whoever it is, and I think you and I agree that we think it's going to be Tanner Mangum, he's, he's been there before with this. Now, the thing that Tanner Mangum needs to prove, Tanner Mangum hasn't started and won a game against Power 5 competition, which is kind of weird. I would have assumed, and people say, "Well, give him the Nebraska win." I would call him uh, like a, a relief pitcher, and he came in and got the win. I'm saying he started the game, he plays and the whole it. game, and wins it. That's all I'm saying. Oh and seven, Nebraska. He makes the game-winning play for sure, no doubt, no doubt. But I'm saying he starts the game against a Power Five team and wins it. I have full confidence that Tanner Mangum can win a couple of those games this year, but it's just a weird stat that he hasn't yet. I think Arizona and Cal; those are games where Tanner Mangum come in and win those games. Yeah. If the offense gets it going quick, because guess what? You play two Power 5 teams out of the gate in a new offense. That's tough. If you want some confidence, beat one of those teams. And he's a senior. Like, this is his time. You know, I, I, don't, I don't think Tanner Mangum has strong pro prospects. I don't even really care, to be honest. Tanner Mangum has been successful in every walk of life in football, except for last year. He, he has something to prove. I think that hunger has manifested itself in getting in better shape. He's lost 22 pounds, uh, you know, in the last, like, seven or eight months. He looks great. He looks confident. Let's hope that manifests itself in great quarterback play for BYU. Yes, Jerem, but SDI Sportsbook has Joe Critchlow as the odds-on favorite. What the beep is SDI Sportsbook? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like. 
Tanner Mangum's my front runner, odds on favorite. At Colton underscore Palmer three on Instagram. You need to see good field awareness and need to see that he knows what's going on. Then you know he's the guy. Yeah, yes. typically if you uh, know what's going on, that's a good sign. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> at Cougar Stats. Pass efficiency numbers consistently over 145. There's that would a stat. Be great. There's a hard stat. Okay. Coming up, Zach Blair doing work at the Canadian Open. Like, maybe the best two days of his life. And where do the rest of the Cougars sit on the PGA Tour and the Canadian Open? Tony Finau, Daniel Summerhays, Mike Weir update also on the way. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is brought to you in part by DexterLaw.com for help when you need it most. Shout out to today's guest, Lee Thunderfoot Johnson, 18-year NFL vet. Dennis Pitta, my bad. We ran out of time. No, it's your bad, Dennis. If you missed any part of today's show, you can download the podcast on iTunes or Google Play. Let's whip it. It's time for the Cougar Whip Around. Football. Taysom Hill and the Saints started fall camp yesterday. Hill's in competition for the backup quarterback position. Drew Brees is obviously the starter. Head coach Sean Payton says that Hill will once again play as a gunner on special teams this season. Basketball. Team Fredette plays the Fort Wayne champs in the Super 16 of the basketball tournament tonight. 7 Eastern on ESPN2. Jimmer leading his team in scoring points. 31 a game. Cougars in the PGA. Zach Blair's doing serious work at 10 under. 5 under today. Tied for 4th. Done for the day. Adopted Coug Tony Finau. Tied for 94th at 100. Tees off at 145 Eastern. Mike Weir, he's Canadian. There you go, Gregor Bell. 3 over. Tees off at 215. Daniel Summerhays finished 6 over for the tournament. Cougars in the minors. Brennan Lund, two for four in a Mobile Bay Bears 10-1 win over the Mississippi Braves. Singled in two runs in the top of the second, and he ended a seven-game RBI-less streak. Jacob Hanneman also made a head-first catch on the warning track to save the go-ahead run in the ninth inning against the Fresno Grizzlies. What else is new? Hanneman's making big plays. Today's Rise and Shout brought to you by Dexter and Dexter Help when you need it most. DexterLaw.com. Zach Blair, 10 under through two at the Canadian Open. Well done. Yeah, and who knows if that'll go lower. Let's go. Our elite voice of the day. What do you need to see from the eventual BYU starting quarterback to know he's the guy? DY Life on Twitter. Vision. You make all the D1 throws, but stand in the pocket, not stare at your target the entire time, go through progressions, make reads, hit checkdowns when it's not there. Mobility. Is that, that, it? Is that all you need? That's it? Find our audio podcast on iTunes, Google Play, and the TuneIn app for Jeremiah Spencer. Shout out to LeGrand Young. 36 days away, Jeremiah.